make sure that uh, that I'm obedient. It could be a word in season for somebody. I think the last part of beginning part of last year, 2023, God began to speak to me more and more about the reality of offering time and the reality of the spirit and our access to uh, the Holy of Holies. You know, the Bible says we've been raised up together and made to sit together with him in heavenly places. And, and God began to make that more and more real to me. Uh, David said that all he wanted to do was spend time in the presence of God. All he wanted to do was um, dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of his life to behold the beauty of the Lord. And uh, we have access to that. Spiritually, we, you right now, right now, as you said there, as I stand here, we have access to that, to that holy of holies. Jesus has paid the price. His shed blood allows us access on a moment-by-moment basis into his presence. But it becomes more real to us as we meditate on the truth of that. And one of the uh, particular scriptures or books in the Bible that talk about that is Hebrews chapter 8. Hebrews chapter 8. Now, this is not the teaching tonight, I, I, but uh, I'm going to stay here as long as the Lord wants me to. And it talks about the reality of uh, the throne room. At least, at least that's how it speaks to me, the reality of the throne room and the New Testament Access that we have to that throne room through faith in Jesus. Now it says here in Hebrews 8 and verse 1. Now, the, now of the things which we have spoken, this is the sum or this is the summation of everything that we've talked about up until now, the writer says. And he begins to focus on something and. That's very, very important. You know, a lot of times when I take offerings, I say, see Jesus. See him. See him. Because when you see him, it, 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 the, the throne room becomes real to you. And the writer says, we have, right now, we have such an high priest. Hallelujah. Jesus is our great high priest. Amen. Do you know that? Do you see him as your great high priest? That's, a, that's important that you see him that way. Because his ministry as our great high priest is very, very important to us. If we're going to receive from God the things God wants us to receive. You know, God is still a faith God. I say God is still a faith God. We receive from him. As we operate or exercise our faith. Our faith in what the word says. 
And so the writer says we have right now as a present day um, high priest, we have such an high priest who is set on the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens. So you got to see him there. The Holy Ghost wants us to see Jesus set at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heaven, at the very right hand of Father God. That's where he's located. Hallelujah! Somebody needs to get excited about that. See, if we, if, if we have the reality, if we knew the reality of that, we get excited about that. Because the Bible says we're seated together with him there. Hallelujah. So he sat at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens. Verse 2 says, a minister of the sanctuary of the true tabernacle. Which the Lord pitched and not man. So that's talking about the, that's talking about the heavenly tabernacle that God Himself built. Hallelujah. And it's real. And that access, we have access to that same tabernacle in our generation in this dispensation. Jesus has allowed us that access. And the Bible says here in verse 3, And every high priest is ordained to offer gifts and sacrifices. So the Old Testament priest doing Judaism or Israel's during Israel's time, they would offer, they would be ordained to offer gifts and sacrifices. But the Bible says, wherefore, it is of a necessity that this man have somewhat also to offer. So the scripture tells us that that offering that we just gave, it's a necessity that Jesus have something to give. It's, it's an, of a necessity that this man have somewhat also to offer. So when you give, when I give, I place my offering in the hand of Jesus Christ, my great high priest. Can you see that? And he takes that offering... And he worships the Father with it on our behalf. See that? So when you're given, when I'm given, I need to see what's happening in the spirit realm. Because that's the reality. And there's power released in and through that reality when I recognize what I'm doing. I mean, demons tremble. (laughs) Lack demons tremble. Demons that have had people in uh, financial bondage 
for generations, they begin to tremble when God's people begin to understand the reality of and the freedom and the worship that goes on in that place. As we give to Jesus those things that are from our heart. So it's, the Bible says again, it's of a necessity that this man have somewhat to also, also to offer. Verse 4 says, for if we were, for if he were on earth, he should not be a priest seeing that there are priests that offer gifts according to the law. Again, that's pointing back to the Old Testament priesthood. They would take gifts, so, and uh, it was according to the law. But verse 5 says, who serve unto the example and shadow of heavenly things. So everything that was, that was done in the earthly tabernacle is a shadow and type of what would truly happen later on in the heavenly tabernacle. God was kind of prepping mankind, giving mankind an understanding of what was to come in terms of worshiping God and our giving. Who serve unto the example and shadow of heavenly things as Moses was admonished of God when he was about to make the tabernacle. For see, saith he, that thou make all things according to the pattern showed to thee in the mount. So God personally instructed Moses on the building of the tabernacle and how it's supposed to look. Because it was important. Somebody say it was important. So verse 6 says, and I love it. But now, and I'm going to underline that in my brand new Bible, Brother Larry. <laughs> brand new Bible. Brother Larry gave me a brand new Bible. You know, I have rarely bought a Bible in my whole life. People always give me Bibles. I'm so thankful for that. People always give me Bibles. My wife, she'll buy me a Bible. But I rarely buy one for myself. And Brother Larry, a couple of weeks ago, the Lord told me to give you, he gave me a brand new Bible. Hallelujah. I'm thankful for it too. But the Bible says, but now hath he obtained a more excellent ministry. Talking about Jesus. So this is a, this is a now reality. This is, this is something that is in operation now every time we give. But now he had obtained a more excellent ministry by how much also he is the mediator of a better covenant. I love it. He's a med- he's the, he is the mediator of a better covenant. So Jesus is the go-between, <laughs> between man and God. And he makes it right, amen? We may not be right, but he makes it right. He's the mediator between God and man. Thank God for Jesus, amen? Of a better covenant. Now, I love it because it says he, a better covenant. Well, the old covenant, which was established on the blood 
of bulls and goats, that was a good covenant. <laughs> I mean, God moved through that covenant. God blessed Israel through that covenant. There were all kind of awesome things done in the name of that covenant. But the Bible says that Jesus is the mediator of a better covenant, which was established upon what? Better promises. Hallelujah. So since we have a high priest that is seated at the right hand of God, the Son of God, the covenant that we enjoy is greater than the covenant that David enjoyed. It's greater than the covenant that any of the Old Testament saints enjoyed. And like I say, David and Solomon, they received and they walked in and Israel walked in some greatness. But I'm here to tell you, God wants us to experience even more in an amplified measure. Because Jesus is our great high priest. So you should expect to receive and we should expect to worship God on another level in our giving when we give. So that's what God, he wanted, he wanted me to sort of do a teaching on the reality of offering time. So when you give Sunday, give with Jesus in mind. Give with your great high priest in mind that he is functioning at the right hand of God, worshiping the Father on your behalf, praying for your needs to be met. Amen. Now we're going to get into our teaching tonight. <laughs> Uh, Matthew chapter 16 is where I'm going to start tonight. Matthew chapter 16. Father God, we come to you and we thank you tonight for your mighty Holy Spirit. And Father, we know that without the Holy Spirit's ministry, we cannot see Jesus. He is the one who illuminates the word and causes us, O oh God, to see all that has been done for us by way of the finished work of the cross through faith in Jesus Christ. So, Holy Spirit, we ask tonight that you would open our spiritual eyes, open our spiritual ears, but breathe upon us tonight in such a way that would cause us to glorify the Father through the divine knowledge, through divine revelation of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And Father, as always, we'll be sure to give you all the glory and the praise for every manifestation of your spirit tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Tonight I want to talk about the foundation of the church. The foundation of of the church. And as we go through the teaching, we're going to see what the foundation of the church is. And obviously, we know it's Jesus Christ. But we want to get revelation concerning how it all works or how uh, the, the anointing works in terms of our access to it and him. 
So the Bible says here in Matthew 16, probably a very familiar uh, verse to some of us. It says, when Jesus came to the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, who do men say that I, the son of man, am? So he asked them that question, who do men say that I, the son of man, am? He wanted to know what their understanding of who he was and his ministry and what he was there to do. What, what was the word on the street? What were the people saying about him? I mean, his, his miracle work and ministry was being manifested all over Israel and many people were benefiting from it. And he said, what are they saying about me? And the Bible says here in verse 14, and they said, some say that you are John the Baptist, some Elias or Elijah, and others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. So a lot of the word on the street was that he was one of the Old Testament prophets raised from the dead. That was the, that was the uh, conversation on the street. Reincarnated. Somebody told me back in those days, reincarnation was a big thing and people really believed in that, that sort of thing. And that's what they, that's what they were saying about Jesus, that he was John the Baptist. Apparently John the Baptist had already been, uh, killed. Some people were saying he was, he was Elijah and some were saying he was Jeremiah or one of the Old Testament prophets. And he said unto them, but who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? You know, it really and truly, <clears throat> in the full scope of things, it really doesn't matter really what the world think about him. It's what we think about him. What are we saying about him? That's why he asked, but, but who do you say that I am? Talking to his, his uh, disciples. Most believers don't know who Jesus is, though. I mean, believers, they don't really understand that Christ is not his last name. Amen. You'd be surprised, not at this church, but you go to a lot of churches and people have been walking with the Lord for many, many years and they really don't understand the significance of that word Christ. Uh... So he says, who do you say that I am? And, and this is a note that God had me to write down, and I, and I want to be obedient to, to say it. And this is for somebody maybe on the Internet that's watching. Stop trying to get something and know that it's already been made available. I'm going to say that again. Stop trying to get something from God. But know that it's already been made available. Hallelujah. That's for somebody. Because somebody been trying to, <laughs> trying to receive from God. And God is saying to, to us, it's already been made available. Tap into it by faith. Receive it by faith. Understand that it's already been done. 
The healing has already been accomplished for you. The peace that you're looking for, it's already, the shalom peace that you've been wanting to experience, it's already, get off the crack. Get off the drugs. Get off the alcohol. You're not going to find it there. It's found only in Christ. So he says, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. Now, he is not, and Peter's answer was obviously correct. We're going to see that. But notice he said, you are the Christ. Not a Christ. Not one of many ways to receive from God. You are the only way or the only one that we can receive from God through. You are the Christ. You are the anointed one. That's what Peter was saying. You are the only one who removes the burden and destroys the yoke. You're, you're the only one. That's, that, that's what Peter was saying. Thou art the Christ. You're the son of the living God. You're the one who removes the burden. The only one who removes the burden and destroys the yoke of bondage in the lives of mankind. <laughs> so verse 17. Jesus te- tells Peter. Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona. For flesh and blood had not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. So he tells Peter, because you got this revelation, you're blessed. He's blessed because God has opened his eyes. To the truth that God only works through Christ. He tells Peter. You're you're, you're now empowered to prosper by God. Because you understand the source of the blessing of God. And that source is Christ and only Christ. So he tells Peter, you're blessed because of that. You're, you're now empowered to prosper. You're now impro- empowered to succeed and have a blessed life because you got that revelation. So I'm going to read that again, verse 17. Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood had not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. So he says, you got that revelation from God the Father. And a couple of key points that you probably already know, but I, I wrote these down. God will only work through revelation founded in Christ. Somebody said, hmm. You know, because we, we need to know that God will only work through revelation founded in Christ because everything else is fall- or fallacies. 
Everything else is witchcraft. The only thing, that, the only way that God will work is through the anointed one and his anointed. So we don't ever want to get off the path. We want to stay on the, on the path of truth. We want to stay connected to God through faith in what he says and faith in what he's done through his son so that we can receive the things that God wants us to receive. See, it doesn't matter what your denomination says. It has to line up with the word of God. If we're trying to receive from God any other way, then through Christ, we're going to be disappointed. And we're going to be misguided. That's why it's important to stick with the book. And, and believe what, what, whatever God says about you and your relationship with him by way of the word. A lot of people are trying to connect with God through feelings. Nothing wrong with feelings. Nothing wrong with goosebumps. They're okay. As long as those goosebumps are connected to the truth. Amen. Amen. So that's what Jesus is telling Peter. He says, you're blessed because you received this revelation. That I am the only way. That I am the Christ. That I am the burden removing. I have the burden removing, yoke destroying power of God operating through me. And anything other than that is a fallacy. And can be called, with, I used that strong word a minute ago, witchcraft. Because it's, it's, it's origin is from the devil. See, the devil, he, what, what he wants to do is he wants to keep mankind away from that anointing. And he wants to keep the church ignorant concerning the anointing. Because he knows that when the anointing is in operation, bondages are broken. People receive healings, people receive divine peace, people begin to operate in the, the way God wants them to operate. They begin to experience God on the level that God wants them to experience him. But it's only through Christ. Okay? Now let's look at verse 18. And he goes on to say, and I say also unto thee. So he's, he's not through talking to Peter. He says, I, I say also unto thee. You got the revelation, but I say also unto thee that thou art Peter. So at that moment he changes his name from Simon to Peter. That's a whole nother teaching. We don't have time for that tonight, but it's significant. 
And upon this rock, I will build my church. Now, some people have thought that when he said, upon this rock, I'm going to build my church, he was talking about Peter. But he was not talking about Peter. He was talking about, I'm going to build my church upon the revelation that I am the anointed one. That... uh I am the foundation of everything that this is all about. You're coming into a new covenant. And if you're going to experience my power, you're going to have to understand that I am the Christ. He says, and upon this rock or this revelation... That Jesus is the anointed one, I will what? Build my church. So the very foundation that the church is built upon is the truth that Jesus is the anointed one. He's the one who removes the burden. He is the one who destroys the yoke of bondage and only him. And then he says, and the very gates of hell shall not prevail against those people who have that revelation and who act upon it. It's one thing to to hear about these things, but it's a whole other thing to begin to act upon these things. He says, I'm going to build my church upon that. So that, that means that's very important. If that's a foundational truth, that means we need to give some time and study and meditation to that. Because for some of us, that may be the, 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 the thing that's going to take us to that next level that we're trying to get to. A greater revelation that Jesus is the anointed one. That there's an anointing found in him and through him that can give you that breakthrough against the powers of darkness that you've been looking for. The devil has maybe maybe have been dogging you for years and years and years. But when you find out, you get that revelation that it's through Christ and through this anointing, his anointing, that you can break through the lines of the enemy's defense and begin to experience the freedom that you've been looking for, the healing that you've been looking for. The freedom from addiction that you've been looking for. The peace in in your home that you've been looking for. It's found through Jesus Christ and through that anointing that's on him. So he says, I'm going to build my church upon that. Amen. Let's go now to Matthew chapter 7. So Christ... Then uh, we can understand then that Christ is the foundation. He is the rock. And revelation of him being that rock is what the church is supposed to be built upon. So let's go to Matthew 7 and verse 24. And this is Jesus talking again. 
Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them. Hmm. He says, whoever hears my preaching, my teaching, my doctrine, these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. So what he's saying is that the person who hears the word and the person who acts upon the word, Jesus calls him a wise man. He just doesn't go to church or just doesn't listen to a good sermon, just doesn't hear Pastor Angela teach on Sunday, hear it and say, that was good. But they, 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 they leave it at that. They don't begin to act on those things. They, they hear teaching on the anointing, the burden removing, yoke destroying power of God. And they say, well, that was good. That was good revelation. You broke it down in the Greek and the Hebrew and all that sort of thing. But then we don't act on those things that we hear. That's what Jesus is saying. He says, the man who acts upon those things that doeth them, he's a wise man. Because he built his house upon the rock of the revelation. So the wise man acts, hears and acts on the word. Verse 25. And the rain descended... And the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon the rock, or a rock. Again, the rock is Christ. The knowledge of Christ, and I'm going to add this to it, and our oneness with him. Not just Christ, praise God. But in the new covenant, it's also our oneness with him. I mean, if we don't understand that we are spiritually connected to him, we won't much benefit from him being anointed, will we? If we don't really have, have that revelation. We can, we, we can say, well, praise the Lord. Jesus is the anointed one, and he is. Praise God. But how do I, a natural man, living in this natural world, tap into and benefit from that anointing? How can I experience the things that God wants me to experience because Jesus has went to the cross and has been raised from the dead and is now seated at the right hand of God and his anointing is relevant to my, it should be relevant to my experience right now as a believer. How do I experience that unless I understand that I have a covenant right and a covenant access to that anointing? Amen. I I need to understand that. That that anointing 
He's not anointed for his sake. <laughs> He's anointed for our sake. Because we need him. We need what he possesses. But we won't experience that unless we deem ourselves worthy to receive that. We'll, 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 we'll shy away from it. We'll think I'm not holy enough. And in ourselves, we're not. <laughs> but in Christ, we are. And I have to begin to see myself as one who has been born from above and who has been washed in the precious blood of the Lamb, who has been given legal access to this anointing in my generation. Thank God for when I get to heaven. But right, I'm not in heaven right now. I'm battling demons right now. I need an anointing. That's going to give me that breakthrough that I need against this enemy. So I need the knowledge of Christ and my oneness with him. Let's go to the book of Ephesians, chapter 1. I knew we'd get to Ephesians. I love the book of Ephesians. To me, it's one of the most powerful books in the Bible because it, it talks about the reality of these things. Talks about my access to him who is anointed. And we need to begin to see ourselves as God sees us. So that we can experience those things that have been freely given to us through Christ. These are foundational truths I think that the church needs to begin to continue to focus on. Because Jesus said this type of revelation is foundational for our glorifying God in our generation. He says in Ephesians 1 and 18, and again, remember when you read this, this is a prayer. Paul is praying for the church at Ephesus. That they would receive something from God. And so, this is an anointed prayer, so you know it's the perfect will of God. That's, that's important. When you, when you see this, this prayer, you can understand that this is exactly what God wants you to experience in your life and in your generation as a Christian. It's got a lot of words to it, but when you begin to understand the words and when you begin to tap into the understanding of that, You'll then understand that this is, God has freely given me this access and I can experience this in my life. So don't let the words uh, intimidate you. This is the will of God for you and I today. He says that the eyes of your understanding being enlightened wants you to see something. That's why we need to always ask the Holy Spirit, give us light. One of the main things I pray about, God, give me light. I need light so I can see the things that have been freely given to me. 
through Christ. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know, so I need to know something. What is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance is in the saints? Verse 19, and what is the exceeding greatness of his, of his power? The exceeding greatness of his power or his anointing or his strength. What is the exceed, I love that word, the exceeding greatness. It exceeds greatness. This is what God wants you to experience. That's, that's what uh, the anointing carries. The exceeding greatness of God's power to us, to you, to me, right now, hallelujah. Bought and paid for by the blood of Christ. Demons tremble when you begin to understand these things. That's why the, <laughs> that's why the enemy will fight you so hard. That's why he fights you so hard when you begin to step out in these things. When you begin to, man, God said that, I'm going to act on that. The devil, that's why you, you, you'll experience kickback in the spirit. That's why a lot of times you, you start doing things for God with revelation like that. The, the devil shows up and he'll try to convince you because he showed up that this is, this is not the path. It is the path. <laughs> it is the path because the devil only opposes what he's afraid of. Yeah, when, when he shows up, <laughs> you, you can pretty much be sure you're going the right way. Because he doesn't want you to progress. So he's there to stop you because of this revelation. He doesn't want you to experience the exceeding greatness of God's power to us who believe according to what? The working... Of God's mighty power or his mighty power. So it's, it's God, this is God's power made available to us through Christ. Verse 20. And this is the connector. We can see this because this is talking about when Jesus was raised from the dead. Which he wrought in Christ, which he worked in Christ. When he raised him from the dead. So when Jesus was raised from the dead. And I heard one preacher say that was the greatest demonstration of God's power that had ever been manifested. When God raised Jesus from the dead. Think about that. Uh, Think about the vastness of the universe. I was I was listening to something on the radio. No, actually, it was on on on, on TV, on YouTube, and they was talking about how they found this this light, this new light, the greatest light that they had ever seen through telescopes, and this light was located something like 120 billion light years away. <laughs> That's beyond my human capacity to understand. But God created all that. And, and, and when you begin to think about the power that God has in terms of what he can do. 
And then for us to get a revelation that the power that God used to raise Jesus from the dead was greater than all that. That, 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 that strength that God exhi- exhibited to raise his son from the dead, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places. Far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named. Not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. And had put all things under his feet and gave him to be what? The head over all things to the church. So see the connection? So the, this, all this was done for the benefit of the church. That's talking about you and I. Which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. Then we transition right into the next chapter, because this is a, a continuation of this, th- this same thought. All of those things that we talked about in verse 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, then it says, and you have to be made alive. See how you're connected there? See how God connects us with that? And you had he made alive with that same anointing. With that same power, with that same strength, with his mighty hand, you hath he quickened, who were dead in trespasses and sins. That's what he's he's done through Christ for us. Hallelujah. So, when I understand that the anointing, that Jesus Christ is the anointed one, and he carries with himself the anointed, we begin to understand now what Paul meant when he said, Christ in you. Somebody needs to get that. Christ in you. The hope, the expectation of God's glory being made manifest through you. That's the will of God. Not, to, again, to my natural man, I'm my natural master, man. I, I'm unworthy. I can't. God says I can, so I can. Amen. I can do all things through Christ. Who strengthens me. Does that make sense? I, I, I can because God says I can. I have because God says I have it. So that's why the devil works overtime to try to keep us from experiencing these type of things. And I'm, run, I'm just about to run out of time. <laughs> but I, I, I really feel strongly that God wants somebody to see that tonight. That when we gather together on Wednesdays and on Sundays, we're not playing church. This, to God, this is real, man. This, this here is what it's all about. This is, this is what the foundation of the church is built upon. And that's why the devil fights so hard us trying to evangelize the world because he doesn't want us to lead others into this revelation or into this truth. I want to pray for you, Kim. You lift your hands to God. Father God, I thank you for the anointing that's on our life, Lord. 
I thank you, God, for the, the places that you're taking her to. And for the people that she's connecting with, her and others, God. Continue to bless, continue to strengthen, continue to anoint. This is your servant, oh God. And you called her, God, in this, in, in this season, God, to be a light in this world. And she's truly being obedient to you. She's hearing your voice. And she's acting on what she hears. We plead the power of the blood of Christ over her. Father, I thank you for the angelic help that you give her on a moment-by-moment basis. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And we thank you for it. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Yeah, that, 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 that's what evangelism is about. Leading people to him and his anointing because the devil does not want more people to get saved that's why like i say he'll fight you he'll fight you in that area more than any other area because when you're out there actually leading people to christ evangelists who uh always have salvation on their heart they get a lot of spiritual uh warfare in their lives pastor larry know about that right yeah yeah it's it's important because it's all about the enemy not wanting us to lead people to jesus so that they can receive this great this exceeding great power from god which god wants to lavish and freely give to his people through his son stand to your feet tonight God, we thank you tonight. You are a good God. You have done, Jesus, you have done it all. Help us, Lord, to understand that we're not trying to get something. But that, Lord, we've already received. Help us to tap into what you have already done. What you've already accomplished as a church. Give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you. Open the eyes of our understanding that we would know what is the hope of your calling and what the riches of the glory of your inheritance is in the saints. And what is the exceeding greatness of your power to us who believe. According to the working of your mighty power, which, Father, you wrought in Christ when you raised him from the dead and set him at your own right hand in the heavenly places. Far above all principality and power and might and dominion, and, Father, every name that is named. Not only, Father, in this world, but also in that which is to come. And, Father, you placed all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth on all and all. And Father, we'll give you all the glory, all the praise, all of the, all the honor, Lord God, for every manifestation of your anointing in our lives. And we'll be bold and we'll act on these things, Father, as we go forth. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you and thank you for coming tonight.